0: In the garden with Keen's Garden Centre Coalgon for all your vegetable and fruit gardening needs. See keensgardencentre.ie. Yes, and Tom never comes to us empty-handed. Once again, he's got vouchers for Keen's Garden Centre protruding out of his back pocket. Um, so if you want to get your hands on one of those do uh, text or WhatsApp your gardening questions 086 1800 964. Those questions I will put to Tom all in good time. Uh, first of all, good morning to you Tom. Thanks for being with us again. Very good morning to you, Alan. My pleasure. And uh, this week's topic is improving your lawn with a few handy tips and treatments.
1: Yeah, that's the one, all right. And last week, we had a good few questions coming in from the listeners uh, inquiring about how to look after the lawn. So I I said I'd put down a few notes in that regard. So I always find that a lawn that looks well and it's in good condition, it enhances the look of the whole house and the garden. And the main culprits that spoil uh, the look of the lawn are the likes of moss, weeds and hunger. And these are relatively easy, easy enough to treat and get under control with a small amount of regular treatment. So our lawns tend to suffer after a wet and cold winter and certainly here in the west of Ireland we'll see plenty of moss and we'll see some tired looking lawns as well. Um, we don't have to aim for total perfection I'd say don't let perfection get in in the way of good. Um, mainly air climate particularly here as I said in the west is a big contributor to the moss problem. So we've mild wet weather and these are the conditions that moss will thrive in and if you add in some poor drainage, perhaps, or maybe some compacted soil and or shaded areas from large trees, moss can flourish. So there's not much we can do about um, our mild wet weather. So we need to tackle the moss by other means. Uh, If we can improve the drainage in our soil, that will start to create conditions that moss doesn't like. So, a few methods of improving the drainage include aerating the lawn. So, you can aerate the lawn by either spiking the lawn with a garden fork or aerator shoes or by using what's called a hollow tine fork. So, a hollow tine fork is similar to a fork, but the hinds are actually hollow and they take out a core of soil each time you push the fork into the lawn. This is a little bit better than just forking it. Uh, the soil, uh, as usually the normal fork can squash or compact the soil slightly. Uh, then you can brush in maybe some sharp sand mixed with compost into the holes to prevent water logging and improve the overall drainage. And then I suppose aerating the soil should be carried out every spring and summer. Uh, and by doing it on a regular basis, rather than trying to do it all Uh, all the lawn in one go makes the task somewhat more bearable and and, and more manageable. And then regular treatments will help minimize water logging in the autumn and winter months. Also, another one to keep in mind is keeping the blades of your mower on a high setting. That'll also help keep the moss under control. Uh, Cutting the the grass too low can encourage moss. So as a rule of thumb, you should be cutting around one third off your blade of grass. So keep the blades raised up. there are lots of lawn care products that can be applied to your lawn, and using a mix or a combination of these, or having a, a two or three-step program, will have your lawn in top condition. So, step one for me, if the moss is particularly bad, I'd recommend recommend using a liquid treatment uh, first, something like Zero Moss or Lawn Gold liquid. Are products that are diluted and then sprayed onto your lawn, and they're very fast acting. You'll see results overnight or the following day. Uh, these products they don't depend too much on soil temperatures as the granulated treatments, So you can use them throughout the year uh, to keep your moss in check. Uh, These are a moss treatment only, so it should be remembered. So it's important that you follow up with a lawn feed. So perhaps step two might be where you um, you should apply a granulated lawn treatment. These are typically either a traditional feed, weed and moss killer or some of the organic acting moss treatments with a fertilizer. Um, Both have their, have their, uh, their own benefits the likes of the traditional feed and weed is a cost effective one. It covers a large area and it has the advantage of doing three jobs into one application. So you're killing the moss, you're killing weeds and you're feeding the lawn with with a three in one or feed weed and moss killer. The organic acting treatments, the likes of products you might be familiar with, like Mobacter, Osmo moss remover and Lawn Gold, they need to be applied a little bit heavier, So they have a heavier application uh, rate on those guys. They attack the moss with no need to rake it out and some will have what's called thatch eating bacteria to reduce the buildup of thatch at the base of the lawn. And some of the organic based ingredients, they can help introduce more insect activity in the soil, which in the long term can help to improve your soil structure and and drainage, creating conditions again that moss doesn't like. So these products, they treat moss and feed your lawn but they don't tackle weeds. Um, So a really effective uh, weed killer for your lawn is Dicofar. So this tackles your weeds quickly and effectively. It comes in a concentrated form that you dilute and spray onto your lawn that kills the weeds without killing the grass Uh, by treating moss and killing weeds. This allows more of the nutrients in the soil to go to feeding the grass rather than sharing it with weeds. So reducing competition will help your lawn look rich and healthy. Uh, feeding your grass with a lawn fertilizer, as I've mentioned, should be used in spring to help the grass recover from a wet winter. And using a fertilizer will also help the grass root system develop into a stronger network, which should help the grass to withstand future waterlogging. And then maybe step three in your lawn care uh, program, After treating the weeds and moss and feeding your lawn, I'd recommend applying a small amount of lawn seed to help establish grass rather than let the moss re-establish in the same area. So you can use a coated lawn seed, which has excellent germination rates and prevents the birds from (coughs) from eating your seed. Uh, And then as part of your lawn care program, it's recommended to apply some fresh grass seed to your lawn every year. During the summer months, you can apply a straight lawn feed like Osmo Pro One. So this is a feed only. And is a controlled or slow release feed that keeps your lawn looking really well and, and healthy. Um, so I'd recommend feeding your lawn at least three times a year in spring to help it recover after a tough winter um, and set it up for the season ahead then again in summer to maintain a strong healthy lawn and then in autumn to help the lawn over winter and set up for a strong root network for the winter months. A few other little bits you can consider edging the lawn with a lawn edger it gives a lovely neat finish to the overall lawn area and having a handy ready to use lawn weed killer is great for spot, treat, spot treating um, the lawn weeds before they get a hold. You can also pr- perhaps consider planting uh, planting up some extra friendly, um, extra bee friendly plants in, in beds or even in containers to help offset some of the lawn weeds you might have killed. Plants like verbena, phacelia, budlia, and heathers, just to name a few, but they're really good and they'll um, counteract some of the lawn weeds you might have killed and, and supply the bees and other pollinators with plenty of uh, nectar and, and feeding. So looking after your lawn regularly with a good feeding program keeping on top of the weeds and not neglecting it in the winter months along with some remedial treatment if the drainage is a problem we'll have your lawn in top condition and it'll be a constant battle but it's, it's i think it's worth doing
0: okay excellent advice as always tom before we get to the deluge of listeners questions that have come in you've a few jobs for them for the coming week
1: a few jobs ahead. So, uh, lots of Mother's Day gift ideas in garden centres. Anything like there's a rose called Mum in a million or beautiful planted arrangements, or even gift vouchers uh, for someone special, uh, or even delights of spectacular shrubs like magnolias or camellias. Lots of those are available in garden centres this time of the year, and and they make great Mother's Day gifts or any kind of gift. If you if you fancy giving someone something nice, you can also plant up your summer-flowering bulbs in pots, the likes of dahlias, lilies, begonias, all great for long-lasting summer colour and Cost-effective and easy to grow as well. Still a bit of chilly weather around, so keep your bird feeders well topped up. Um, you can also feed fruit trees and bushes, give them um, a sprinkling of sulfate of potash or the OsmoPro bloom fertilizer around the base to help encourage fruiting and, and flowering and fruiting. Any ericaceous shrubs, such as rhododendrons, azaleas, and camellias, you can give them an ericaceous fertilizer. You can use a granulated or liquid feed. Still time, if you need to do it, to cut back your roses and give them a, a good feed of mulch or uh, mulch them with manure or some fertilizer. Onion sets and shallots can also be sown now, get some nice tasty homegrown produce and your seed potatoes can be chitted and sprouted at this time of the year. So setting them up maybe on an egg carton or in a seed tray to hold them in position. Some are frost free with light and uh, it'll help give you a bigger yield and, and an earlier
0: harvest. Okay, brilliant stuff. We'll get into the listeners' questions. Tom, the first one of which comes courtesy of Anne Dynan, who says, Can you ask Tom, Allen the name of a shrub? There's a lovely smell from it. Uh, This morning it was full of wasps. Um, I think we'd need the picture for that, though, so I'll move on to Chris's question, which was, When would be a good time to prune an ash tree? It used to look nice, but it has gotten wild
1: um good morning chris and and um yeah so ash now some if it's an ash plant and a lot of ash trees are suffering from a disease called ash dieback and it is a serious issue amongst ash so um if you're if if the if your ash tree is looking a bit wild it, and it might be suffering from a bit of ash dieback but it's still dormant so you could cut it back now if you want to, just you know if it's a bit looking a bit untidy but um Watch out, I think there's there's not many ash trees that are are escaping the ash dieback disease, so it's, it's a bit of an, of an unfortunate one. But if you want to cut it back, Chris, now be no harm.
0: OK, our good friend Kay in Curiffin says, good morning, Alan and Tom. Good morning to you, Kay. Uh, she says, Tom, is it too late to trim the Escalonia hedge? It has grown up or it's very long. Also, can I plant some cuttings from the hedge? Thanks once again.
1: Good morning, TK. Um Certainly you could plant up uh, cuttings uh, fr- from the hedge if you want. to use a small bit of... Um, uh rooting powder um and and maybe a little bit of multi-purpose compost take plenty of or, or um plant up plenty of the cuttings just in case you, you'll have a few failure rates So the more you have to just increases your success rate and if it needs to be cut back by all means you could, you could cut it back down no problem at all okay
0: okay siobhan and ennis is wondering tom if you could advise her on what vegetable plants are available at the moment
1: Oh, good morning, Siobhan. Um, lots uh, lots, and lots of plants. So we'd have, for example, cabbage and we'd have red cabbage, pointed cabbage. We'd have cauliflower, broccoli, just the likes of carrots, kale, peas, beans, parsnips, courgettes, um, tomatoes, cucumbers, lettuce, plants. And we'd have in, in seeds, we'd have like onions, shallots, seed potatoes and lots of herbs. But loads, a big range of vegetables in at the moment now, Siobhan, so plenty to choose. And they come in relatively small packets, either 10 or 12 plants in a pack. So you're not overloaded with too many varieties uh, but or too many plants. And, and that means you can do a mix of varieties, but loads to choose from and and nice, easy to grow varieties.
0: Okay. Carmel, who is in Kilmurray Six Mile Bridge, says, Good morning, Alan. It's great to hear Tom's advice each week. Thank you for having this slot. No, thank you, Uh, Carmel. Our our pleasure. Uh, Your question for Tom is uh, that Carmel has a Viburnum davidii shrub, or davidii shrub, which has never been cut back or pruned, and is now totally dominating the shrub bed, according to Carmel, and smothering other plants. She's wondering when is a good time to cut this back, and how deep and how low can she go with it to contain it and bring it back to a more manageable size without damage? It.
1: Good morning, Carmel, and and thanks for your lovely comments there. So the viburnum davidii, yeah, lovely shrub and and a nice hardy, tough evergreen shrub. They're, they're relatively low-growing. Now, like you're saying there, Carmel, sometimes they can get a little bit out of hand um and and kind of take over more space than what you might have originally allocated for them. But I'd say if 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 that and it sounds from your description that it has taken over more than what you want, I'd say now is a fine time to to cut it back and you could cut it you could reduce it at least by a quarter even a little bit more of, of of its size at the moment and give it a good tidy up it'll 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 respond quite well to a trimming so it won't do any harm but um yeah i'd say definitely i would allow for it to have a, a bit of space but if it has encroached too much i'd say give it a good hard cut back um caramel and i should see it in good order
0: Angela, who's listening to Morning Focus in Crushing, good morning to you, Angela, says that she has tomatoes which have germinated on a propagator and Angela is wondering if she should turn off the heat now that they have germinated.
1: Good morning, Angela. Um, Yeah, your tomatoes, if you've got them um, set up and and they've they've germinated, yeah, by all means, you could take off the, or turn off the um, heat in in the propagator. You could set them out on a nice, um, bright uh, kitchen windowsill or uh, any room that has uh, a nice, sunny windowsill um, they don't need, once they've germinated, you they don't need a whole lot of heat after that. Now, obviously, they're not frost hardy, so you don't want to get too cold, but a cool room inside, um, if, if the room that might be used too much and the heating is, is low on it, will be perfect for it. Once they've germinated, cooler temperatures inside is, is fine for them. So maybe on, on a windowsill, Um, Every now and again, just turn them because they they will lean towards the light on the windowsill. So turn them every now and again, so they're not uh, leaning too much one direction. And if there was a very cold night promised, I'd take them off the windowsill and and leave them on the table or somewhere a bit more centrally because it can get a little bit cold at the windowsill and it might might check them back a little bit. But by all means, Angelia, they can come out of the propagator, turn off the heat and uh, set them up on a a nice uh, bright
0: windowsill and you would be good to go. Earlier on, Tom, you mentioned Mo Bacter and Katrina and Lahinch is asking you about it. She says, Good morning, Tom. Is the likes of Mo Bacter enough for a lawn to remove moss? These fertilizers are advertised as no manual removal of moss needed. Are these enough, uh, Katrina is wondering, to put on the lawn, or do you still need to rake the moss up yourself? Uh,
1: good morning, Katrina. I sometimes I use the analogy if you have a really bad headache, there's no point in taking half a disparin or half a panadol and and then claim that the the panadol or the disperin doesn't work if you have a migraine. You know, so I would I would consider if the moss is a really bad problem, I don't think any of the the lawn treatments on their own will will um, get rid of the moss in its entirety. Mobacter is a great product, it needs to be applied quite heavily. So like a, a uh, one bag of Mobacter will cover maybe about 200 square meters. But if the moss is particularly bad, it might want a second application. My advice, maybe Katrina, would be to apply some of the liquid treatments like the zero moss liquid or the um, Lawn gold liquid. They're good at, at being absorbed very quickly into the moss and, and it'll have a good effect. And then maybe a week or two after that, you could apply your Mobacter um, at the recommended rates and, and that should see it. But I find it, I tend to find, Katrina, that one product on its own particularly if the moss is bad just isn't good enough it doesn't you know it'll second, certainly need a second application or the mix of the two products the liquid followed by the granulated one
0: our next question comes from Anne, who is in kilshany good morning to you, Anne. ann uh, she says she is looking for some nice plants with white flowers to plant in the garden uh, tom and I'm, she's looking for recommendations
1: Brilliant. Dan. Yeah. So um, one that springs to mind at the moment is the lovely Magnolia stellata. So it's a lovely white flowering shrub, really nice, really elegant shrub. Um, and then after that to be loads, there's lots of different varieties of viburnums that have lovely white flowers, some evergreen and some deciduous ones, some nice white astilbes. You get nice um, um, kind of ground cover or um, Herbaceous plants and rockery plants that are, are ivorous and stuff like that are lovely white color, and those guys. Um, but there's loads and loads of uh, nice white flowering shrubs to choose from. You can get a white uh, flower carpet rose, which would be really nice as well. So, loads to choose from, I'd say. And uh, if you're calling to ourselves or your local garden center uh, and you have a, a browse through and see the ones that you're most drawn towards or or the ones that might suit your own situation the best be it a, a shrub border or rockery or containers with loads of nice white flowers to choose from hand. and certainly that magnolia to me stands out magnolia stellata
0: our next question comes from our listener who says hi alan could you ask tom when can i plant a miniature cherry blossom tree or would i be able to keep it a long time in a pot please love the show thanks
1: very good question, and and that might be another one for you. You can get a miniature cherry blossom, and they stay small, um, and they could be planted in a pot or a container. And just to the, to the listener who, who who put in the question, so, um, they can be kept in a pot. I suppose I would always recommend. Um, planting it into a larger pot than the original one it came in so if it came in would say a two or three litre size pot maybe step it up to one and a half or twice the size of a pot um, just just to, it, it'll do better in a bigger pot the larger pot will also hold more moisture and nutrients and it'll be happier for the plant so by all means you can keep that miniature cherry blossom in a container just make sure it doesn't dry out um and it'll be happy in a container for, for a good while anyway uh, and um, also, if you wanted to put it into the ground, now would be a fine time for doing it as well. So lovely shrubs, the miniature uh, cherry blossoms, really nice. And in a container or a pot, sometimes it holds them up a bit higher and shows them off. So it's a nice way to do it.
0: John is asking what the best hedge to sow in a very bleak, windy garden would be.
1: Uh, good morning, John. So Eliagnus uh, benji or Eliagnus is, is a very good um, plant for windy, tough conditions. Um, it's very good for coastal areas as well. It can take the wind all day long, and it can take um, the salty air. So, Eliagnus, good, tough um, um, plant uh, to select for a hedge. Also, the likes of Griselinia would be quite good for for windy areas as well. Um, oleria would be another one as well, and and even sometimes if Defuchsia, it's a deciduous plant, obviously, but it's a it's a it's a good for for exposed areas but i'd say ellie agnes john would be certainly one to to consider it has a nice matte green color with um silver back on the leaf and has a nice two-tone effect when it blows in the wind so perhaps ellie agnes will be one to consider
0: okay our last question this week is from a listener who says that they have uh they live in la hinge and have two rose bushes and they grow and get green every year but produce no flowers the listener has googled it but hasn't come up with any results and is wondering tom can you help
1: well, I would say um, like roses, you know, in, in a coastal location, shouldn't be that shouldn't be the issue anyway. And if they're growing healthy foliage and all that, my suspicion is that um, the growth might be coming from below where the rose is grafted. So your rose is grafted onto the roots and sometimes you get suckers or you get growth, growth coming up from the root section rather from the, the grafted section on top. So perhaps, and, and that growth tends to be kind of vigorous and unproductive. So if you've had it for a good while and it's producing foliage and, and no flowers and not even any buds, I'd certainly be suspicious of something like that. So it might be, now certainly you could call in with a few pictures and, and, and a description to us in the garden centre. We might know a little bit more if we, if we could see photographs of it, but I might be suspicious that maybe it's to consider replacing them all together with new roses. You know, the carpet roses will be excellent, but there's there's a ton of roses to choose from. But um, it might be that the growth is coming from the root section and it's just vigorous and somewhat unproductive and you're missing out on the flowers.
0: OK, some great, great questions there. And are we surprised? Equally great answers from Tom Stewart. If there's something uh, that he doesn't know about gardening, he hasn't revealed his hand yet. Uh, the congratulations to Katrina and Lynch and Angela and Corchine. You've each won yourself a €30 Euro voucher for Keane's Garden Centre. A uh, pleasure as all was having you, Tom. and uh, Thanks for joining us this week and we'll chat to you again next week. Thank you very much, Alan. Take care, Alan. thanks. Again. There you go. All the best. Uh, the man, the legend, Tom Stewart from Keynes Garden Centre. If you ever have any gardening questions for Tom uh, any day of the week, send them in to us and we'll keep them for his next appearance. 086 1800 964 is the text WhatsApp number. Please